Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Michael Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Ah, the Lord works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? I'm going to ask you uh, to stand with me and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 13 is where we're going to start. And it says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. That opened not the house of the prisoners. Free will. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about free will. And whose will is most important. God bless you. You may be seated. Free will. Is it a blessing or a curse. When we look at the fall from heaven, what was the cause? Say Lucifer's pride. He chose to challenge God, and he of course lost. But it was his choice. He made a decision, and he chose poorly. So God decides that he is going to create man. In his own image. And man walks in the garden with God. And he's asked to keep it and is given one rule. One. One choice in the entire garden. You can't eat of this tree. Last Sunday morning I thought Brother Marty was going to go off on my message. I was like, he even read this verse of scripture I have. But just one. And he talked about it's you have one rule. One thing. All of these other trees you can eat of, but this one you can't. And in Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Okay? So we understand the rule. Can't eat of it. Otherwise you'll die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Let me stop right there for a second and ask you this question. You're sitting there in paradise. You're surrounded by animals that are docile, 
You can pet a lion. You can ride an elephant. Just, you know, imagine all the wonderful things you could do. And yet, for some reason, this snake comes in and says, don't you want a little more? I mean, you're in paradise. You don't have to work. The food is supplied for you. All you have to do is exist. And you get to walk in the garden, talk with God. Seems like it'd be pretty nice. So why do you need to go higher? And the woman saw the tree that it was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. One rule. So man was given a choice. God put one tree in the garden. And when they tempted, they were tempted and looked at it, saw that it was good to look at, and thought, I could get some more power out of this. They ate it. And the first sin on earth was committed. Because they had free will. Let me break off for just a second here. I had a discussion the other day with a coworker about baptizing infants. Let me tell you something very, very briefly. I'm not going to make this a big issue here, but I want to show you this example because some people talk about, you know, this is where sin entered the world and now we're all born into sin. Adam and Eve were capable of making a choice between good and evil. An infant is not. Okay? We don't, sin didn't enter the world because Adam and Eve were brought into it. Sin entered the world because Adam and Eve made a choice. And they made a wrong choice. Sorry, not even in my notes, but. So we see a couple of examples here. We see Lucifer. We see Adam and Eve. Let's look at another one. Let's look at Abraham. This is going to be a fun one for you. So God has made Abraham all of these promises. Okay, and I'm I'm going to read a couple of them to you. But one of the main promises that he tells him is he's going to be a father to many nations. In Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee. And in these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a pretty good promise right there. Now in verse 16 it says, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. So obviously, to have the dust, he's going to have to have a child, right? You'd kind of be able to put that together. So Abraham has these promises from God, who has kept all his promises. He's told him that he will have a son from his own loins, with Sarah. But Sarah's getting concerned. I mean, she is in her mid-30s, mid to late 30s at this time. Still no son. So she has a better plan than God. She's going to help God out a little bit. Okay, because every, every once in a while, the God who created heaven and earth could use a little bit of our assistance. Probably doesn't get it. So Sarah's going to come up with a plan. 
Sarah says, hey, you know what? Obviously, we've had a, I have a problem and God's not letting me bear a child. Why don't you take Hagar, my handmaiden, have a child with her? You marry her and have a child. Perfect. That way we'll help God follow through with his promise, which he is obviously incapable of doing. Okay. Sometimes we do the same thing. Oh, you know what, God? I don't think you understand what I prayed for. I wanted the red Camaro. Not the green Chevy Cavalier. So let's work on this, okay, God? So they have this child. This is to fulfill God's promise. Again, a poor choice. But there's still an opportunity for Abraham to make a choice. However, Abraham figures, you know what? His wife is right. Forget what God told him. He's going to help God out. Abraham chooses to have a child with Hagar, and according to God's promise, a nation is born. Not necessarily the one God wanted at this point, but a nation is born because God keeps his promises. So in Genesis 16 and 10, And the angel of the Lord said unto Hagar, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, and that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and thou shalt bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. Wow, what a promise. Thank you for that one. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. There's a promise that you'd probably want to give back. But, free will. Abram, Abraham had chosen poorly. So, we can see as we read through the scriptures that Abraham makes a lot of mistakes. He goes, into, he goes into Pharaoh and says, well, this is my sister. Sarah's a sister because they concoct this story. There's all sorts of bad things that happen. But Abraham must have been the kind of guy that corrected his errors, I would think, and tried to make it right with God as soon as possible. Because the worst thing about a bad choice is not fixing it or not making it right. So we see a little later on where Abraham and Isaac are going to go to the mount to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham knows full well what he's going there for. Isaac does not. So they get to the mount. That's when Isaac says, hey, Dad, you might be losing it. I know you're over 100 here. There's no lamb. We came all the way out here. Now you've got to trek back, get the lamb. God will provide. You can't tell me that this kid... Isaac, when he realized what was going to happen, couldn't have left. I mean, his dad's like 100 plus years old. Run. Downhill. Be like a bear chasing you. You know the guy's going to do a header. You know? Just go. But Isaac made a choice. Isaac made a choice here too. Because Isaac was laid on the altar. 
And the story says that as Abraham raised the knife, the angel of the Lord stopped him. Genesis twenty two sixteen says, And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thee as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all of the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Free will can be a tricky thing sometimes. It's the greatest thing in some cases, but can also be our greatest downfall in others. But like I said, one bad choice does not have to lead to another bad choice. Ask Ryan Braun. Okay? One bad choice. We see in this scripture, in my opinion, we see back <clears throat> throughout the book of Genesis, Abraham make Mistake after mistake, do a good thing, do a good thing. Mistake, do a good thing. It's, it's like our lives playing out in the book of Genesis. We do, we do something good, and then, and then maybe something comes and we, and we make a poor choice. And then, then we're back over here, and, and sometimes it's easier to keep making bad choices, but Abraham kept walking back to God. You know, and, and you know what? An, a mistake is a mistake. Brother Matson talked about it this morning. We need to be able to show mercy and grace like God has shown to us, and obviously God showed to Abraham. So Abraham, I believe, is a great example of seeing both sides of the spectrum. The many troubles that we even endure into today. But also the many blessings that God put on his life. I'll give you one more here. David. When his will and God's will were together, David was able to slay lions and bears and giants, able to raise up a mighty kingdom. But when David's will became more important than God's will, and he looked upon the likes of Bathsheba, it didn't end with one bad decision. He made another bad decision. And it wasn't just adultery now. It was also murder. Because David's will became more important than God's will. But then we see that when David is confronted, he makes the right decision and humbles himself before God and repents. So, what about us? What about our free will? How well do we handle that? Every day, we are presented with choices. And sometimes it's not so clear-cut as we see in the Bible. Murder, don't murder. That'd be a pretty easy one to figure out. But I know many mornings I wake up, I get ready for work, hop in my car, and the first thing on the radio is Mike and Mike in the morning. So I throw... Mike and Mike in the morning's on, and I, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's about the time I get to that stop sign about 100 yards from my house where I'm presented with a choice. Well, you can listen to Mike and Mike in the morning and find out what happened yesterday in sports, or maybe you should take your time to pray 
before you get to work. Okay, yep, I know which way to go on that one. But we're constantly presented with choices. See, when I was a kid, I had a variety of different things that I struggled with. And um, one of them was my temper. I had a real hot temper. And uh, once I got to be a teenager, I had a pretty hot mouth, too. Um, Obviously, I knew that if I said that stuff at home, it would be me and Mr. Ivory Soap um, in the bathroom with my mom washing my mouth out with soap, like it had been many times before. So when I became a teenager, um, we, we would hang out a lot. The basketball team, just a bunch of guys, would just go hang out and play basketball all day. Summers were great, didn't have to work, had it all off, play basketball all the time. And we would, when we were together, and there were no adults around, it wasn't a big deal. You could say whatever you wanted to say. And with, between the combination of my temper and my mouth, I started to uh, get a little close to that line when I would come home. I would get upset, and uh, I'd get close on many occasions, but I realized what the consequences would be. So I would make a choice not to swear when I got home. And eventually I just started to realize that, then this is just for me, okay? I realized for me that my temper was expressed through swearing. And if I couldn't control my temper and I couldn't control my tongue, I was going to be in trouble. Because, you know, if you say it to the wrong person, it's not going to work out that well. So, I make a choice daily, even at this point. I'm 20 years, 20 plus years removed from being a teenager here, and that's something I am still reminded of today. Believe me, driving on the highway does not help this situation. I do a lot of driving. And I cannot tell you how many people do not deserve a license that are on the road today. It drives me nuts. I had a situation the other day, I I had to call my wife. I was down at a roundabout. Those are great. Mass confusion from four different directions. So I'm sitting there at the roundabout by pick and save. And there's a guy that comes around, and he comes all the way around the circle to Walgreens. And then... There's another guy, and he's starting to come through, and, and you, you know nobody uses signals there, so I don't know if he's going left, he's going straight. So I'm waiting there, and this guy behind me starts laying on the horn. And it was everything I could do. It was, it was a rough day to begin with, but I was like, dude, we need to have a discussion. Because you obviously do not understand how this roundabout thing works. And I just started driving, and I was... I called my wife, I'm like, oh, this guy is just driving me nuts. And it was just like this thing that accelerated everything. So I'm pretty sure, if not by the grace of God, I'd probably be in jail for like road rage or something at this point. But it happens all the time. To me, that's, that's when I, I know that if I were to swear, 
I'd feel like the devil won. Because I know he pushed the right button. And it got me to lose control. The Bible says that the tongue is the most unruly member. So to me, if I can't control that, I need to focus more. I need to make sure that I'm more in line with what God wants. Because I'm losing the battle. So let me, let me break off into a different, different area here. Let me talk to you about addictions. Okay? And, and if you want to, if, if you do not agree with me, that's fine. You can, we'll go in the back afterwards. You can meet me in the office and we can have a long discussion about this. This is just my opinion. Okay? And my belief on this. I spent some time in, in not in Tachita, but working at Tachita. Um, with, with many people that were addicts um, and many people that just made bad decisions. When I look at an addict, I do not see a disease. Okay? I see a choice. And I see a choice that has taken over their lives, not necessarily because of the choice they are making today, but because of the choices they have made day after day after day. So let's be honest here. Everybody believes that they can handle it to start out. I mean, if you, if you were to think that, well, I'm going to end up, you know, divorced, um, on the street, begging for food, you probably wouldn't have taken the first drink. If you would have, that's a really bad choice. But you made a choice because you felt you could handle it. A temporary escape that I can use only when I want to because I can control it. The only problem is is that most oftentimes you want that escape more and more because fantasy is better than reality. But then that drug isn't enough so you have to go to something harder and pretty soon you don't even know where to start to climb out of the hole that you're in. Or maybe it's alcohol, and you're just going to have one. And one turns to four or five or six. And before you know it, you're driving home. And find yourself in an accident. And somebody's dead. It amazes me. I mean, absolutely amazes me. And I actually, when I was working at um, the Milwaukee Secure Detention Facility, I had to write an article. And I chose to write on drunk driving. I'm not going to give you all the statistics and everything, but it is amazing to me the amount of repeat offenders of drunk driving. There are people that have over 17 drunk driving tickets they've been stopped for. Somehow, they're still on the road. What amazes me even more is that when I would go, I go out um, even to dinner with some, some co-workers at one time or another, you go golfing with a business party, and these guys or gals are pounding them back. And you know that they don't have another way home. And they make a choice. They make a choice to get behind the wheel of the car because they are in control. So they make a choice to get behind the wheel and they start driving home. 
Many of the young ladies or young women at Tachita, I know of three of them specifically, were in there, and they were going to be in there for a very long time because they made a choice. That choice was to get behind the wheel while they were intoxicated, and they killed somebody. Sports athletes do this junk all the time. And it drives me nuts. It really does. It's like one of my pet peeves is drunk driving. But they didn't intend to do it. When they went out that night, they were probably thinking, well, I'm just going to hang out. Maybe I'll have one, too. But they continued to make the choice. Here's a good one. Lust. Now, back when I was a kid... Oh, so long ago. There was, there was all of magazines, maybe uh, one or two stores that might have movies or something. Now, it pops up on your computer. It is, and, and you don't even have to do anything. And this stuff will pop up, and you get to make a choice. What choice are you going to make? And you may think, oh, maybe just a peak. And pretty soon, it's once a week. And before you know it, your spouse is not adequate because of what you've been watching. So you need to find someone else to meet your needs. So you become an adulterer. And it's not just men. No. Women are doing it too. They're looking for an emotional connection a lot of times because their husband's not meeting their needs. What started out as a simple conversation on Facebook is now a meeting. And one thing leads to another. Not because you intended it. But if we're not careful about the choices we make, the problems get worse. You know, in the first text that I read, in verse 17 of Isaiah chapter 14, it says, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. Satan does not have a great plan for you folks. He didn't have a very good plan for Eve or Adam. What was the result of that? Oh, great. Now I get to work and the field's going to be tough and I'm going to have to pull weeds and do all that garbage? Any of you that garden? Your hamstrings hurt? Your hands hurt? It's annoying. Thank you very much, Satan. You are pouring out tons of benefits. His whole goal in this thing is just what it said there, to put you in a prison. You get to make the choice. And where God is sitting, I imagine he looks at it and goes... Are you kidding me? Death? Life? It's pretty black and white. Which one do you want? Which choice are you going to make? It all starts with free will. The choices you make today will affect your tomorrow. Whether it's positive or negative, you get to decide. What will you decide? Some of you have come here today 
not knowing why you're here some, in some cases. Let me tell you something. You didn't just drive by on your way to breakfast and think, hey, you know what? Let's just stop in. The Bible says that no man cometh to God lest the Spirit of God draws him. Okay? Now, if you're here and you say, well, God didn't speak to me. Somebody else did. And that's the Spirit of God living in them. Okay? So you're here for a reason. Now, you could have, like Pastor Steve said, it's rainy, it's cloudy. Some of you, I mean, you could have come up with a million excuses, let's be honest. Well, you know what? The Packers play today at noon. I could sleep in. It's nice, it's cloudy, it's cool. Thank God for cool weather. It'd be a great day to sleep in. You know, maybe I'll catch the 10 o'clock service. Well, you know, I could balance my checkbook, maybe go pick up some hot ham and rolls for lunch, have some people over for the game. I better make sure that the the living room is vacuumed and, and the dishes are washed and I go run around and get all this stuff. Tons of reasons for you not to be here today. But you made a choice. You made a choice that the first things you were going to give God on Sunday morning was your time. We've already had a discussion about how valuable time is, so I'm not going to go into that. But you made a choice. And when you made that choice, you get to see the results continue to occur. When you came here this morning, nobody knew how the worship service was going to be. But when we all came in one mind and one accord and began to praise and worship God, God blessed us with his presence. Here's a blessing for making the right choice. Matthew chapter 12 says a good man, in verse 35, says a good man out of good treasure the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy word shall they be justified, and by thy word shalt thou be condemned. Today you're going to make a decision. When this altar is opened up, you will either take the time to truly seek God's face and ask him to forgive you and make everything right in your life. Make it right with him and ask him to fill or refill your life with the Holy Ghost. That's number one. Or you'll walk through those doors and you'll have made a choice. That's your choice. God gave it to you. And I will not judge you either way. But you are responsible. And as we read in Matthew 12, every one of us is going to be judged. Every idle word that man shall speak, he shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy word shalt thou be justified, and by thy word shalt thou be condemned. I'm not saying that you're always going to like following God's will. It may not always be fun, but the rewards are greater than you could possibly imagine.
You know, and I'm, I'm not about exalting people at all, okay? But I think we, we learn a variety of things through seeing other people and their actions and what, what they do and how things occur in their life and being able to observe those things. Um, I remember when Brother Schmaltz uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And, man, as, as Christians, we think, well, you know what? God already paid the price. God's going to heal him. God's going to take care of this. God's going to make everything all right. But all that we can control is how we handle the adversity that comes our way. Because no matter what comes into our path, we control our, our decisions, our choices, and how we react to it. Whatever God decides, he decides. That's his will. But he gave me the free will to decide how I'm going to react to it. And God didn't heal Brother Schmaltz. He chose not to. Why? No idea. But how Brother Schmaltz handled himself through those times was a witness to multitudes of people. So what he could control, he did the best that he could with. But you're not always going to enjoy it. Let me give you another example of free will in Luke 22. Luke 22 and verse 37. This is going to be a little lengthy, but for I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the thing concerning me have an end. And he said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is, en- it is enough. And Jesus had come out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed. This is Jesus. Okay? We are not here to have a discussion about the Trinity. I'm going to tell you that Jesus is, manifest, is God manifest in the flesh. Okay? Bible says he was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the world, taken up into glory. We can have that discussion another time. But Jesus is praying, says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. I don't want to do this, God. I don't want to do this, Father. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Do you think this, this is what I want to do? I want to be persecuted? I'm sitting here, I've done everything that I possibly can to help these people, to show them love, compassion, mercy. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Even Jesus had free will. 
He was sent with a purpose. But I believe what this scripture firmly says is he could have chosen to go another way. But he says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was that were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Have you ever had a time when you were confronted with a situation and you knew what the right thing to do was, but you asked anyway? Do I really have to do that, Mom? Do I really have to do this? Jesus, in this section of verse, knows what's required. But really, who wants to be beaten, whipped, crucified, killed? He has free will. And why was he going to do this? For a bunch of people just to have a choice? Knowing full well that some of them that you helped, you touched, and you healed would that very day deny even ever knowing you. That's a tough choice. It'd be tough for me. Today you have free will, just like Jesus. He could have walked away, but in that moment when he knew the cup was not going to pass, I like to think he saw a picture of Michael Kiley. And he had a choice. He could walk away. He said, no, I'll do it for you. Michael Kiley, I'm going to take these, one, these for you. I want Michael Kiley to live forever with me. So it's worth it. Even though he's going to make some bad choices. Make the wrong decision sometimes. See, the beautiful thing is he saw each and every one of us. And said, you're worth it. You're worth it. I have a choice, and I'm choosing you. Free will. He died so you could have a choice for eternal life in heaven. Satan never died for you to have a choice. He just wants you to die. And have an eternity in hell. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. And that you might have life more abundantly. That was his choice. Is it that difficult for us? I mean, when we're presented with a choice, a God, a Savior who came down to earth, robed himself in this pathetic flesh, was willing to be crucified for you to have an opportunity to live with him. 
Because let's be honest, frankly, we weren't doing it before. That's why he had to come down. But he said, you know what? One more time. Let's give them one more chance so that they can make the right choice. I'm going to show them the ultimate sacrifice. And then we'll let them choose. Would you stand with me? Which will you choose? God's choice is I would that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. What will it be today? Is today your day for salvation? Or just another Sunday where you got to go to lunch? What's his will for your life? Where does the road lead? I'm going to encourage you this morning to come find out what God's will is for your life. Because when we seek God and his will for our life and we follow his path, we'll be blessed. When we choose our will, that's when we start getting into trouble. Just once. Okay, maybe one more time. But God's will, not only will he tell you what his will is, but it says in that scripture that he sent angel to strengthen him. When you make the right choice, no matter how difficult it is, God will give you the strength to see it through. No matter how difficult. But you got to make the choice. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.